we got till, I think Reverend Jermaine Copeland said we got till 3 o'clock. Amen. So, <laughs> and the Bible says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Amen. <laughs> so certainly we don't want to be a shortage to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? And just follow him. But the Lord can do a short work. And I believe that he's given me some things to share today that I'm just going to do something with the Pastor Harris's permission and Reverend Jermaine Copeland's permission. Uh, I ask your permission just to allow me to preach to myself. I'm not going to preach to any of you here. I'm going to preach to myself. Now, I will do this because you were so gracious to come. I'm going to let you listen if you want to, but there's no pressure on anybody. You know what I mean? I need the Word of God more than anybody here. I need to practice the Word of God as much or more than anybody here. I need to apply the principles of God's Word to my life more than anybody here. God is a good God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your holy written Word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And as I speak this morning, Father, I thank you that I'll speak as the oracles of God. And Father, you know there's much that needs to be accomplished. And there's much that needs to be done and said in prayer. But Lord, only those things can be done in the Spirit. And so Lord, we ask you for an anointing, not only to speak, but to pray. Thank you that you'll anoint us for this task in this day. Because we realize that we can't come in our own strength and oppose the powers of darkness but we can come in your anointing with your ability and we can overcome every single time and not fail. And so we thank you for revelation of your word, illustrations of your word, and impartations of the Holy Ghost that will cause us to walk out what we have heard. And Father, we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, let's start right there. And what I want to talk about, first of all, is I want to talk about some things called, uh, I call prerequisites to prayer. Now, this prerequisites to prayer, in fact, I, I think I got a series on this somewhere. I don't see it on my table. We came from other meetings with this product, so that's why it's not all comprehensive. But my online, you can get it at rgm.me. Prerequisites uh, to prayer, or it may be in one of my prayer series. It may be, a, we may have turned, it was a single, and we might just put it in a series. But prerequisites of prayer, what do you do before you pray? You know, you can just run into prayer, and we thank God that we can pray, but sometimes we need to prepare to pray. Amen. <laughs> you know, we need to be in the right spiritual frame or attitude when we go and, in fact, pray about some of these things. There's different levels of prayer. You know what I mean? There's different levels. There's different levels. You know, you can pray about you and your family and everything like that, and you're not going to make the devil too mad. You may even pray for your boss man, and you probably ain't going to make him too mad. You know what I mean? You may even pray a little bit for your church and for your pastor, and, of course, we should do that much. And you might make him a little madder, you know what I mean, and make him mad and things like that. But then you might get to a place in the spirit that you begin to see and know things supernaturally in the spirit and you pray on a level where you're moving devils. And I'm not on every level you do, but there's different levels to prayer. And when you go into any level of prayer, you need to be prepared to prepare for that level. 
And when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, we can see that everything that Paul was saying, especially starting about verse number 10 on down to verse number 18, what Paul was doing, he was giving prerequisites to prayer. He was telling us to prepare for prayer. He was talking about prayer because it ends and he talks about praying for him that he would have utterance. But when you get to praying for national and international things, you've got demonic forces that you come against in the spirit. And that don't mean you go around binding the devil or fighting the devil because the devil is already defeated. But at the same time, you can't act like the devil does not exist. Because if you get into the frame of mind that there's no such thing as a devil, then you're going to get into trouble. The other side of that, what we have is people get too kooky with it and they get to thinking about devils and demons and every time the wind blows, they bind the devil. The door slams, I bind you devil, you know. The bush blows, I bind you devil. They trip over the threshold going into the door, I bind you devil. You know, and everything becomes a devil. Everything becomes demonic. And so you can't get into that kind of attitude. You got to stay on the positive side. But when you stay on the positive side, you can't get so positive that you act like that Satan is not still here and alive on planet Earth. Jesus said he was going to be here until he is bound for that thousand years. And until that time, we've got to contend with him. Satan was contended with by Jesus almost on a daily basis. Not quite, but almost. He was casting out devils. He was victorious over every devil, over every demon, wherever he went. And so when you go before the Lord in prayer, there are different levels of prayer. And like I said, as long as you're on the you know, Lord type levels, and we need to pray on every level, but some of these levels of prayer and I don't have time to get into the different types and levels of prayer not the different types are levels but I'm just just throwing some information out here when you get up to praying about national international things like Pastor uh, David Harris has talked about right here in this church uh, over a period of years of me attending this church and we praying together just in a, a, a smaller type prayer group. You know what I mean? Because not everybody's able to come to every prayer meeting. Other people's got other things to do. And it just seems like, you know, when it comes to prayer meeting times, everybody, most everybody has something else to do because of the fact that I'm not knocking nobody because they don't understand the importance of prayer. And it may be my fault because I hadn't taught about the importance of prayer as much as I have or should have. You know what I mean? It may be because sometimes we just take prayer and mention it as a passing thing. That's why we've got to have prayer conferences and talk about the importance of prayer. But there are different levels of prayer. And in fact, if anything is going to be changed on a long-term basis, it's first, in the natural physical world, it's first got to be changed in the realm of the Spirit. There are changes that will take, take place, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, on a natural kind of basis, just because you want to see change or somebody may be influenced in a direction, but that, in, that in, uh, change does not last uh, uh, forever. You understand what I'm talking about? You mean to make it plain. Make it plain. That's what he said. For instance, 
There are people today that are mentally agreeing that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they never have had a born-again new birth experience. And so they make the confession, but there's never a behavioral change that agrees with their confession, so they never believe Jesus Christ was their Lord. And I'm a big pr- pr- proponent in having a behavioral change. I believe, I believe that. I, I believe that once a person gets born, again, their life changes. Listen, I was on my third escape from prison, driving down the road, lock the doors, boys, don't let them out. I've got a full pardon today, been pardoned of all crimes by the government, by the Lord too, but uh, I was on my third escape from prison. When I got born again and demons left me that I was yielding to, within 10 minutes, I turned myself into a police officer and told them I was guilty of all the crimes I'd committed and I didn't want to die and go to hell. Please arrest me. Amen. I said, Brother Randy, you lost your mind. You're absolutely right. I got the mind of Christ. Amen. So today, there are, and there has been for years, I would say this, that people have a mental agreement to Christ, a mental agreement to the Word of God. But until a person is born again, there is not going to be a behavioral change. Now, when a person does get born again, there's going to be a behavioral change. You said make it plain. Can I tell you about making it plain? And I know we're talking about prayer. Let me tell you about Ted McGinnis. My friend, Ted the murderer. Ted the murderer who got born again. When a person gets born again, not mentally agreeing, there's going to be a change. Ted McGinnis was in Holman Prison. He would have received the death sentence because of the horrendous crime he and one more guy committed. And I'm not going to say all they did, but they killed a girl and horribly abused this girl. But they killed her. And then to try to hide her body, they chopped her into small pieces with an axe like you chop wood with. I was in prison with these people. The Lord led me. I was praying. We're talking about prayer. I was kneeling down in the prison uh, dormitory while I slept, about 120 guys. I knelt in my space. You had a little alleyway that was your space. That was your private spot. And it was, you know, over probably 1,500 guys in this prison. And so you're around people. I wasn't trying to be seen of men, but that was my closet. The Bible says, I I couldn't be uh, out of uh, sight of anybody. I'm under guard, you know, shotgun, rifle every day. I mean, somebody's going to see me. So I would kneel down and I would pray. And one day the Lord said to me, he said, you go tell Ted McGinnis that he better get his life right with me because I love him and I want to change him and I want to see his life change. And I said, Lord, I said, I don't much want to go talk to Ted McGinnis. I said, now, you know, you know, Ted... I said, now Ted's a pretty mean fellow. And he was a big fellow, you know what I mean? He had ate a lot of them beanie weenies and black eyed peas and, and collard greens and fat back of growing up. You could just see it, you know? And I was pretty tall, but he was pretty big and tall too, you know? And I said, Lord, I don't think he wants to talk to me. I said, he's very obnoxious, he's rude. And said, everybody in the prison is basically scared of this guy. He said, you go tell, tell Ted I love him and that I forgive him. He said, he's remorseful for what he's done, but most people don't see it because he puts on that hard front 
because he wants people to be afraid of him because actually he's afraid himself. And as long as he puts on that hard front, people will be scared of him. And I said, Lord, are you sure about this? Now, you, you know, we need to talk about this. So I went on eventually, eventually, you know. I went and I talked to Ted. And, and he said, you better get out of my face with that stuff. Uh, you one of them Bible thumpers. He said, yeah, I'd be a Bible thumper too. You know, you've never been to prison, so you don't know what a Bible thumper is. A Bible thumper is somebody that takes the Bible and only uses it for their advantage when it's convenient for the moment. But they really don't truly intend to obey God. There's a lot of Bible thumpers. And we don't want to be critical. So he assumed I was a Bible thumper. If you ever go to prison, you'll know what a Bible thumper is. And we're not signing up anybody to go. You are. <laughs> we're not saying you need to go. But you'll know what a Bible thumper is. So don't be a Bible thumper. So Ted just thought I was just a Bible thumper. And that's, uh, you know, that uh, I didn't really mean what I said. And I was just playing the game. And, and I was trying to get a good report from social services divisions because you had what you call counselors and chaplains. If you go to the chapel, you sign your name on the roster. And eventually that went on your record. And, and it looked good. And there was a lot of Bible thumpers. You know, they carried the holy book, you know, and they called them the man of the cloth. And do y'all know any of this stuff? I know Reverend Jermaine knows some of this. I never sent her to prison. But anyway, (laughs) she knows about the man of the cloth, I'm sure, you know. But uh, they would just talk about all kinds of stuff because they had a lot of people in prison that didn't practice what they preach. And I'll tell you what convicts hate more than anything else, and I know the word hate's not good, but what convicts hated back then more than anything else was somebody that said one thing and done another. And if you went to the prison chapel and said you was a Christian and you come back down in the dormitory and act like a devil, they'd jump on you and whoop you. I think we're going to bring some of them convicts I know out. We're going to straighten this thing out. And we're going to put a ring inside the church. And brother, you're going to live the Bible because they made you walk the Bible. You had to live with them every day. And if you claimed you was a Christian, you better act like one. But see, I hadn't been around Ted. I wasn't even his part of the prison, his dorm area or anything. I was in a whole different part of the prison and I couldn't go to where he was at all the time. Every now and then, they would open it up and you would have what they call, you could roam the, the prison. You know, of course, the guards are all out there and security's still there. But I, I walked over to Ted's and I told him, he said, you better get out here, leave me alone. I'm not going to be one of them Bible thumpers, you hypocrite, you. You know, he was just doing this and I realized what he was trying to do was run me away. And he said, I'll tell you another thing. He said, I'm thinking about chopping you up. (laughs) Well, you know, I knew he had been in that career path before, which is not good. I mean, it was horrible. And he had slapped some folks around there in prison, and I I didn't want to go talk to him. So I went on about my business. The Lord says, go, I go. If he don't say stay, I don't stay. (laughs) Go and come. So I talked to Ted, and I told Ted, you know, what the Lord said. And then I'd go back, and I'd pray, and I'd say, now, Lord, I talked to him. He said, that's not enough. You go tell him again. I said, Lord, I'm not going again. I said, the man said that he thought, was thinking about chopping me up. Now, I don't want to add to that thinking he's got. I said, he's in prison. I just tell, I pled my case. The Bible talked about pleading your case. I said, that man's in prison with life without the possibility of parole. He, he, he has nothing to live for. 
If he dies, he thinks it'll be merciful. And I said, you want me to go over there and talk to this man that's talking about chopping me up and he scared everybody in the prison? And most everybody in the prison is afraid of him? Except somebody that was out of their mind, they weren't afraid of him, you know, because they didn't know where it was at to start with. And the Lord said, you go. He said, I'm working on him. I said, I don't see you working on him. I said, every time I look at him, he frowns at me like, oh, you seen them old bulldogs? I mean, them big bulldogs, them old brindle type, muscular boxer kind of dogs, you know? And they got slobber dripping out of their mouth and their old floppy jaws and their teeth are hanging out. That's kind of the picture you should get of Ted McGinnis. He looked like one of them bulldogs that was ready to eat you alive at just one moment. Boof. But the Lord said, you go. And so I, I, I'd share with him. You know, ever over a period of maybe eight months to a year. And I didn't do it every day. And I didn't force nothing on him. You couldn't force nothing on him. <laughs> but I'd just say something. He would always make a snide remark or some negative comment or call me a Bible thumper or a hypocrite or something, you know. One day we're in the prison chapel. I'm sitting on the portable baptism. I was baptized in the portable baptismal pool. Chaplain Smith, the prison chaplain, baptized me at Holman Prison. Oh, you've never been baptized until you've been baptized in prison. I'm here to tell you, we got to take a crew of y'all in there and baptize you. But you know what the portable baptismal is? You know, it's a, it's a baptism, it's a fiberglass kind of thing, but this one was real well made, had a top on it, and actually it could support three or four guys sitting on it, you know. And we, I was setting up on this thing, and the door to the chapel was just a little small. When I say chapel, you think of a large cathedral. This was just a little bitty room with about 10 pews in it. That's what we called them, pews, you know, wooden things. And maybe 12 pews, but it wasn't very many. And it was very small. And, the, you know, we were in the back, and the door was on the side. Well, that door opened, and there was about five of my Christian friends and I sitting there. I'm making it plain, making it plain about a person's life and how their behavior change once they get born again. I've been talking to Ted, remember, for eight to 12 months, right in there somewhere. Thought I was getting nowhere. I'm sitting on the baptismal. Two of my friends are sitting to my right, Jerry, and I think uh, Donald was sitting, Jerry's sitting to my right, right next to me, and then Donald was sitting next to him, and two of them were sitting down there on the bench, and we turned around kind of looking back because we was behind them, and we're discussing the scriptures. The Sanhedrin. Yeah. <laughs> we was discussing the scriptures. <laughs> and that's what we done. And while I'm sitting up there, the door opens. We looked up. Everybody was startled. And guess who walked in the chapel door? Ted McGinnis. He walked right up to where I was sitting on this thing. And he's kind of, you know, where I'm sitting, I'm sitting up kind of high. He's looking at me eyeball to eyeball. He said, hey, man. He said, I come to... To, to, to accept this Jesus man you've been telling me about. And I didn't believe him. I said, oh, Ted. I, I, said, I, said, I said, you really don't mean that. I said, you probably just want me to leave you alone and quit bothering you. I said, Ted, I, I won't bother you if you don't want me to. He said, look, man. He said, I come to receive this Jesus man. 
I said, my Lord, he's serious. My Lord, he, he, he's serious. And I got to shaking, you know, my God, this stuff works. I've been praying for him. It works. My God, it works. I mean, the man's done killed this and done that and chopped them people up and scared everybody in the prison. He's standing there, wants to get saved, and I don't believe it. And I'm a believer. <laughs> don't know if you've ever been there or not. Prayer will work. If you'll get after that prayer assignment Reverend Jermaine Copeland was teaching us about, I'll guarantee you believing prayer will change any situation, regardless of what it is. Believing prayer. But you've got to get after it. Some prayers are not finished in one session. Or three sessions. Or six sessions. Or a hundred sessions. Or a thousand sessions. Sometimes you have to pray. I'm not talking about the prayer of faith. Some things you have to pray about on a continual basis. Now the prayer of faith, we know it works differently. If you get the series back there, it'll tell you about that. And, and about these things. And so I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Well, my Christian friends, they didn't say a word. Because they knew he chopped people up. And he, he'd been threatened about most of them anyway. And so they're sitting there. You don't wonder, well, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? I said, well, come on here. I said, you really serious? He said, yes. I grabbed my Bible and I went down to the front of the chapel, got him away from everybody, you know. I said, kneel down here if you're serious with God. Remember, we used to have to kneel. You know what I mean? If you got saved, you had to kneel. If you got the Holy Ghost, you had to kneel. If you prayed, you had to kneel. Mr. Maine, I'm going to turn you loose on them. You make them kneel again. Amen. <laughs> but it was a form of respect. I mean, he hit that ground. Woof. Right down, like the bench was right here, he knelt down. Well, I'm right here at the end, so I just knelt down there by him. And I said, now, Ted, I said, you serious? He said, look, he said, I want to receive this Jesus, man. Now, let's get to it. I said, okay. I was thinking, well, what, what do I do? What do I do now? I mean, I, I got this guy, this crook, this criminal, this killer. My God, he's down here on his knees. What do I do with him? Lord, just slay him in the spirit, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, knock him out, do something. And the Holy Spirit just spoke in my spirit. He said, son, just obey the Bible. It's amazing. Just obey the Bible. It works. I said, what part of the Bible? What, what part? What part? I mean, at this time, I'm nervous. What, what part, you know? Because I'm the preacher now, you know what I mean? I've never been in a situation just like this with this killer, you know what I mean? He said, Romans chapter 10 Verses 8 through 10, tell you what to do. He said, read it to him and ask him, does he believe it? I said, all right, Ted. Now look at here. And I opened my Bible and I said, can you read? Don't you better not talk to me like that. You know I can read. I said, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. I, yes, you can read, but a lot of them couldn't. And I pointed to him in the Bible and showed him and had him listen to me and just to see it with his eyes that if thou shalt confess Jesus Christ is your Lord with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Isn't that right? For with the heart man believeth in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. I said, do you believe that about Jesus, Ted? He said, yes, I believe it. I said, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes, I do. I said, do you believe that he was resurrected by God himself and is now alive today? He said, I believe that. I said, Ted, will you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? He said, hey man, 
I told you I want to receive this Jesus man. Let's get to it. I said, okay, say this prayer after me. So I started repeating what we'd call the sinner's prayer, just a simple kind of prayer. And I had my eyes closed, but I peeked because the Bible does say watch and pray. You know? So I peeked and Ted had his eyes wide open. Well, you can't pray with your eyes open, my God. You can't do that. That ain't the way you had to close your eyes. So I said, Ted, close your eyes. He said, oh, I knew you didn't tell me to close my eyes. I mean, we got a rank murderer sitting here. <laughs> he don't know nothing about all this, and I'm going through all these. Thank God. God has to laugh at us. I'm telling you the truth about it. Close your eyes or God won't hear you when you pray. I don't know what's that got to do with it or not, you know. So I led him in this simple little prayer. And I made sure he had his eyes closed the whole time. When we got through praying, I was waiting. Woo! I was waiting for anything. You know what I mean? Just a shout. I was waiting for a tear. I was waiting for him to snort. I was waiting for him to blow. I was some kind of sign. You know, you're always looking for a sign and a wonder, you know, to make sure especially you got a killer down here on his knees and you want a sign from God that this man's got saved. And so I looked at him and examined him. I said, keep your eyes closed, Ted. And they wouldn't a tear running down nowhere. There was no emotion in his voice. There wasn't no breaking or stuttering or stammering. He just boldly prayed what I prayed, just like he believed it or something. <laughs> so we got through praying. He just turned around and looked at me with that old bulldog look. His teeth had gone back in and his fangs weren't showing anymore. He said, well, I'm saved. I received this Jesus, man. He stood up. He's standing up. I'm still, I thought, my God, I'm going to snatch him back down here. He didn't get it. <laughs> you got to do something or snort or squall or cry or do something. You know, I mean, you got to get it. It's amazing. When you go to praying, prayer, faith in God, in prayer, will change anything. So he stood up so far. I didn't know what to do. I stood up. So he just walks to the back. And the two fellows that were sitting there, Jerry and Donald, they were sitting on top of the baptismal. They're still sitting there. Golly. You know what I mean? They don't believe it. They're just waiting because they ain't said a word because they know they're scared of this guy. And here he goes back to him. He says, hey, man, I received this Jesus, man. I'm saved. And he walks right out of the chapel door and closes it. Well, you could imagine the Sanhedrin then. <laughs> we got to thinking. And they got to talking, and we got to discussing. And Jerry said, Jerry, he's a, he was a, I'm talking about he was a preaching machine. He could preach the paint off the prison walls. This boy was anointed of God in prison for armed robbery, but got gloriously born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And this is the first thing out of Jerry's mouth. He didn't get saved. I said, how do you know? He said, you didn't do it right. I said, what do you mean I didn't do it right, Jerry? You know, they're my elders in the Lord. You know, I'm just young at this, you know. I said, what do you mean, Jerry? I didn't get it right. He said, well, he didn't cry. I said, Jerry, I said, I know he didn't cry. He said he didn't show any remorse. I said, well, Jerry, I, I didn't see any remorse either. He said he didn't seem sad about anything he had done. I said, Jerry, I, I, I didn't see any of that either. Donald spoke up. said, yeah, you didn't do it right. 
If you'd have done it right, he'd have got saved. All he'd done is he said that just to get you to leave him alone. We told you, you better not mess with him. See, we're going to chop you up now. That's what it's doing. The devil's setting you up. Boy, this over you. And this is the church in prison. I mean, this is the church. This is the leaders, the Sanhedrin I'm talking about. And we're talking about this and we done prayed all these prayers. God move in our prison. God save these people. And when they come and get saved, we claim they're heathens. My God, they're a heathen. <laughs> Prayer and faith in God will change anything. Amen. So we sat there and we got to talk it. Well, there was a fellow there, one of them that was sat down on the bench. His name was Woody. Now, all these brothers I was with was African-American brothers, every one of them. Oh, and you're talking about rocking and rolling. I led the choir, and brother, there wasn't a muscle that did not move. When we got, man, we would shake, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. They would turn out of them dormitories when they cut into that course. Them boys could harmonize. I grew up in the old Pentecostal church, you know. We used to have a, 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 a trio and we had a quartet and all that. Kind of, and them boys could harmonize. Them convicts would come out of the woodwork when these guys got to shaking, rattling, and rolling. I mean, they'd get in the spirit and we'd praise God. They'd be the, if you got in the middle of them and you weren't used to it, you'd be black and blue when you got through. You know what I mean? Because you'd be bruised up because they believe you didn't praise God until you was knocking four or five down around you. <laughs> I mean, they got into it with everything. So I'm sitting there, and Woody, and we're arguing about it. You know, did Ted get saved? Did Ted get saved? I said, brothers, I said, look, I said, I read the Bible to him. I said, he obeyed the scriptures just like y'all taught me to tell him. And I said, I told him that. And I said, he prayed that prayer. I said, you heard what he prayed. Yeah, but he didn't get it. He didn't get it. Ain't no murderer get saved that easy. I can just tell you, you can't get saved from murder that easy. You got different levels of salvation now. The Sanhedrin <laughs> sets all this stuff. You know what I mean? If you done this, you got to do that. If you done this kind of thing, you got to do this. You got to repent this way. All that kind of stuff, you know. But here we are. Woody had got born again. When Woody came to prison, he could not read or write. You could put his name on the wall in three-foot letters, and he could not tell you what his name was. But when he was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost... God gave him a supernatural ability and he could read the Bible and he could quote chapters in the Bible. It was amazing. The warden used to make him read chapters in the Bible. He couldn't do it in any other book and close it. Chapters the warden knew he had never read before and then have him recite that Bible back to him word for word and he could do it up to about three chapters. That's about as far as he could go. We could do it for about three chapters. Couldn't read or write his name. But suddenly Woody, who had been quiet in the whole process, he sat down there on the pew. He said, I know how we can tell if Ted is born again or not. And we all turned to him, Woody? How? The most uneducated man in the room. How can you tell if he is saved, Woody. He said, the Bible will prove it out. My God, he was a genius. A genius. If you just obey the Bible, you can become a genius. We said, Woody, what do you mean? 
And he started quoting the scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that's listed in my book that's coming out very soon. It's called What It Means to Be a Christian. Defining Christianity Today. Very soon. We're right at the editing process right now. It just takes time. But the Lord had me do this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to sign it. I'm like Reverend Jermaine. But it's necessary to define this. And he started quoting these scriptures. When he got through, I mean, he quoted all the scriptures that showed when a person got born again, the fruit that would be a result of it, the action and behavioral change that would take place as a result of that particular person's salvation. So when he got through, everybody, the Sanhedrin, you know, breathed a sigh of relief. Because if you could show it to him in the Bible... Most of them would believe it, even though they'd argue with you about it, you know. And so we sat there and we talked, you know, and Woody said, yes, that's how you can tell. Yeah, that's how you can tell. So finally, the head Sanhedrin council among us, you know, he said, Randy? I said, what? Jerry, you know. I said, what, Jerry? And he was a good guy. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, these guys were stickler. In fact, they died for what they believed. They were stabbed to death because they would not disobey the Bible. The convicts put pressure on them and said, if you don't do these things that we want you to do, we're going to kill you. He said, you can kill me if you want to, but I'll die serving the Lord. You don't want to get my book coming out. Don't get it. Don't. But these guys, I watched my friends die for what they believed. Die. Just because they would not disobey the Bible. So Jerry said, Randy, because he's kind of the boss man, you know. He said, yes, sir. He said, go down to where Ted sleeps at. He said, they got the prison open up where you can do it now. He said, go down there. And he said, see what Ted's doing and come back and tell us. <laughs> so he wanted me to be what we need in the church today. A fruit inspector. Not a condemnation application. But he wanted me to go see if this really took, because it appeared from all natural circumstances in prayer, his actions, that it didn't take. So he said, the prison's open. You go. We're going to be waiting here. You come back and give us a report. I said, why don't somebody go with me? They said, we ain't going down there. We ain't going down there. So I said, okay. So I said, Lord, I was praying, Lord, be with me, oh, Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to get into when I get down there, and I hope I just see good things. I hope your word worked like you said it was. I hope the prayers we prayed worked like you said they would, because if I don't, I'm going to have to go back and give a bad report up there to Sanhedrin, and, and it's just going to make them mad. So I walked down to where Ted's bed was. You got a locker there, a little small locker, you know, you put your items in. Ted had his back to me when I walked up to his cell, and he was, and the door's open, of course. And he's going through his locker. And he has a bunch of items piled on top of his bed. I thought, what in the world's he doing? And he didn't see me, you know. And finally, his peripheral vision, side view, saw me standing there. He turned around. He smiled. I thought, my God. He used to want to bite me. You know what I mean? Like your bulldog and everything. 
Give me rabies and all that stuff. You know, I don't know. He said, I'm getting rid of all my satanic books and all my pornographic. Back in those days, they could have pornographic magazines, and now they can't. I think they changed it. Should have that. And he said, I'm getting rid of all that. And I thought, my God, he got saved. My God, he got saved. Nobody told him to go do that. But the law of God was written in his heart. I mean, he didn't slobber. He didn't squall. He didn't do anything. He just started acting like a believer. I mean, he acted like one. And then he leaned over and whispered. He said, oh, he said, I just got rid of my shank. Shank is a homemade prison knife. They call it a shift, shank, homemade prison knife. He said, I just got rid of it. He said, I'm going to trust Jesus to take care of me now. Oh, my God, he has lost his mind. He's lost his mind because any sinner, any good convict sinner always wanted a shank because you could help survive and save your life in a fight. And, and of course, that prison I was in was rough prison, Holman prison. In fact, if you, is it on uh, CNNBC or whatever they have them lockups, Holman prison will be on there. I was in that prison. This is the same prison that they put on TV. And then he leaned over towards me and he said, now, he said, I know it's wrong to do all this tattoo and stuff. I ain't said nothing to him. He said, I'm the temple of God now. And he said, I don't believe the Lord wants me to do that. And he said, it's breaking the law uh, here in prison. The rule's doing that. And he said, he said I, I believe I'm not supposed to do that. What do you think? I said, Ted, I said, just, just follow your heart. <laughs> I ain't telling him nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> then he had a lot of tobacco products. You know what I mean? He had threatened people and they'd paid him off. He just, this guy that slept up the, the little deal, he just took them in this big uh, pillowcase and went up there and dumped them on this guy's bed and said, here. I said, you can have this. I thought, my God, this man has lost his mind. What's wrong with him? He got born again. And nobody told him to do this. And then he come back and he said, hey, he said, have I got anything that, that you need? I thought, my Lord, what's wrong with him? He never offered me nothing but to kill me before. What's going on with this guy? So, after he'd done all that, he whispered to me and he said, Hey, can you teach me about this Jesus man? Oh, I grinned from ear to ear. I didn't know very much, but I knew the Sanhedrin. My God. <laughs> and I knew Woody, Woody and Woody, he could teach him the Bible. I said, When you want to get started, brother? Ted, yeah. <laughs> brother Ted, Amen. when you he said, can we do it right away? I said, yes. I said, when you ready? He said, right now. I said, you got a Bible? He said, no, I ain't never had one of them. I said, I'll get you one of those. Hang on. We got him down at the chapel. Of course, we eventually got him a real nice Bible. Had my family send in some things, you know, they could back in those days. Anyway, uh, we got up to the chapel and we got to studying and the Sanhedrin, everybody discovered that Ted was born again, not just because he had a confession, but because he had a behavioral change that agreed with it. It's more to it. Now, I'm not saying that a person, once they get born again, is going to be instantaneously perfect forever. I mean, as far as you still got the flesh to deal with, but they're going to make a start in that direction. Isn't that right? And now just notice this, you know, Reverend Germaine started to turn to something when she took off and then she went another way. 
I turn to a scripture and just sometimes opening the Bible, it does that to us. But still we went to Ephesians chapter 6. So let's, let's kind of finish here up in Ephesians chapter 6 because I don't want to hold you, you know, forever. I don't want God to uh, send uh, Moses down. You know, he said, let my people go. And he said, <laughs> I know you was looking for Moses. Oh, God, Brother Randy's in false doctrine for sure now. Oh, Lord. But he said, let my people go. You know what I mean? So we're not, we're not trying to bring you into an endurance contest. But in Ephesians, prerequisites to prayer. Let's see what Paul said. But I shared that example to let you know that if you will pray, Believing prayer always changes things. Not just praying. Prayer, yes, fine. But pray with a fervency of belief and faith when you pray. Yes, we pray. Prayer does change things. And I'm not making, taking that remark and, 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 and you know saying it's wrong to say that. But we need to know that believing prayer, right, changes things. So when you pray, believe that God is going to answer your prayer. Don't be like me. And when they walk up and ask you, you know, I want to receive this Jesus, man, tell them that you don't believe they're telling the truth. After you've done prayed all those prayers, it works. So pray, and some things you pray about, again, takes more than one session of prayer. Stay with some things until you see the answer. The prayer of faith is different, but then again, that's another hour or two message in itself that we don't have time to cover this morning. But in Ephesians chapter 6, this is what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 10. And I believe this is some prerequisites to prayer right here, especially the different levels of prayer. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This means sisterins too. So it's brethrens and sisterins, men and women, all of them. Be strong in the Lord and what? In the power of his might. Not strong in my strength, but the, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, which means strategies that Satan has to try to hinder God's will from taking place in your life or in this earth, in our government, in our country, in your church, in your community, on your job, in your children's life, whatever, it covers every aspect of life. There's strategies we can stand against and we can do it in prayer and we can stop Satan every time. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not necessarily our problem. And when you get to focusing on people and attacking people like Reverend Jermaine Copeland talked to us about and Reverend Patsy Caminetti talked to us about, when you get to attacking people, you get at the wrong source. You've got to go at the spiritual force that's behind them. You know, wherever Paul went many times, it would either break out into a riot or a revival because there were opposing forces that would stir up the people. Even when Jesus was arrested and he was standing before Pilate and they said, Said he was going to release Barabbas, you know, or release Jesus unto the people. And he said, which one do you want? And they said, release Barabbas and crucify him. Talking about Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. Now, I know that that was human beings that said the words, but it was demonic forces that was in operation behind the human being. And you could have killed every human being there, which that's the wrong thing to do, but it would not have changed the situation. 
And the same thing we have today. You can talk about governmental officials and administrations, but until you deal with things in the spirit, you're not going to change things on a long-lasting basis until you deal with it in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying about things. And we're going to talk about those just briefly about the three ways to pray. We're going to throw them right at the end of this and it won't take us long, but there's three ways that anybody's ever going to pray. They're going to pray in these three particular ways. That's why Reverend Jermaine Copeland is here to help me with this. But there's three particular ways, and it's right here in your Bible. And you're always going to pray in one of these three particular ways. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, it's demonic forces and demonic things and evil spirits that want to stop God's plan. And I'm thankful that he didn't stop right there because it would have seemed like maybe there's been no hope. But thank God for verse number 13. He said, wherefore, taken to you, this is talking about the born-again Christian, this is talking about the church, this is talking about the body of Christ, even though the letter is written to the Ephesians, it's written to us today and it's applicable to us today. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what? Stand. Which means you can stand against these powers of darkness successfully. Not stand, barely getting by. Why? Because you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and he's going to put you over and you're going to stand. You're not going to be half fallen and knocked down and rolling around. You're going to stand. And that doesn't mean the opposition won't come because it will, but you're going to stand and God is going to put you over and he's going to put me over every single time. He goes on talking about this whole armor and this is a message in itself but I don't, I'm not going to preach that this morning. Verse 14, he said, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, which we know to be God's word, having on the breastplate of righteousness, which we know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and don't let the devil talk you out of it, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, you know what the Bible says. You've reasonably studied the Bible, and if you don't know scriptures to pray, I could recommend this lady I know very well that has written some books called Reverend Jermaine Copeland that's already got the scriptures, and if you notice in her book, she's listed them there for you, so you don't have to go look up every scripture. She's done all the work. I like to capitalize on somebody else's labor. If I can just go and learn from somebody that's done all the labor, it'll save you that time and we'll get there quicker, you know. If I have to go study all the things that it took her these few years to learn, because she's a very young lady, you understand. She's at least 27. I can tell you this. And so she's She's learned some things, and of course, you know I'm being facetious. But uh, she's had some years of experience, and her years of experience uh, will save me a lot of labor, save me a lot of study, because she's done been through it. That's why she had to write the book about it. <laughs> she's done had the problem. That's already how she knows to pray about it. So don't wait till the problem occurs. Pray before the problem happens. And that's why you would get her materials. Her materials would help you pray and you'd never have to have the problem. Just learn from her experiences. Amen. Amen. Thank God. And so preparation of the gospel of peace, verse 16, said above all, taking the shield of faith. Remember we pray how? In faith. Said prayer changes things. Rightfully so. If you understand that praying in faith, believing that God is here and answer your prayers. He said, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In other words, when Satan comes against you, you'll be able to stop everything that happens to come against you 
to stop you from that place of prayer. Verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation, understand who you are, that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, that you are born again, and that you are in God's family, and the devil has no right over you, your family, or anything that you have to do with. And the sword of the Spirit, which we know to be God's word, that's our sword, that's our offensive weapon that we stand against Satan with. And then verse 18, he gets down to 18. That's why I call all these other things prerequisites to prayer. Verse 18 said this, praying always with all prayer, which means all kinds, all types of prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, he said, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. How one way you can pray for ministers is pray that God will give them utterance to be able to pray. But he said in verse 18, praying always with all prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. And there are different types of prayer. And that's why that, that series I have, that volume one and two about principles that govern the different spiritual laws that govern the different types of prayer in the Bible. We went through every prayer in the Bible and we showed you how those principles are applicable and the rules that apply to those. But there are three ways that you're going to pray. And I'm going to say this in closing. Three ways because Reverend Jermaine Copeland uh, wanted me to do this, she didn't tell me this, but she, while she was speaking, it was I was impressed along these lines to share some of these things right here that you already know. But there's three ways that you're always going to pray, three ways. And just thank God it's only three ways. You don't have to learn 17. Three ways. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. What I mean by three ways, there's three types of ways, three ways that you're going to pray when you are praying to God. I'm not saying there's three prayers, you understand that. There's a lot of different prayers, but there's three ways that you can pray different prayers. Okay? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The first way... And this is a good way. Number one, the first way, three ways to pray. Number one is praying with your understanding. Right? It's if I don't know how to pray with my understanding. Do not go get Reverend Jermaine Copeland's materials. Don't get them. Because if you do, then you'll know how to pray with your understanding. And it's very powerful. Sometimes it's good for us to not only to pray to God, but to pray so we can hear it ourselves, because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when you're praying God's word, it produces faith in you to believe God. Right? So we pray with our understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 13. And we're going to read down to verse number 16 because I'm going to talk about two different ways you'll pray here. First of all, you'll pray with your understanding. And then second of all, you'll pray with your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Number two, pray with your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Now what I mean by that, you're praying in other tongues, not your known language. Pray with your spirit by the Holy Spirit, which means praying in other tongues, 
not your known language. The first way that I'm talking about, I'm not necessarily saying this is the order of your prayer or anything, but uh, the one way that you're going to pray is praying with your understanding. What you know about God's word, what you know about a situation, you pray that in your known language, your known tone. The other way is pray with your spirit by the Holy Spirit, which means praying in other tongues, which is not your known language. And we'll talk about that here for just a few moments. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 13 says, Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may what? Interpret. In other words, understand what he's saying. Now, does that mean that you're going to understand everything you pray in an unknown tongue? Absolutely not. I don't understand everything I pray in an unknown tongue. Uh, however, because of the place that I stand in in God and the miniature position I stand in, many times I know things and I pray. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I pray through the gift of prophecy. Right. And I pray, and that's in a known tongue. Right. And I'm praying, Reverend Patsy Caminetti mentioned something to me about this. Right. About praying in English is what she called it. But see, you can be in the spirit and pray. I was praying with a gift of prophecy because I do that. The Lord taught me because he told me, he said, teach prayer by precept and example. And so many times I'll be in the spirit talking in my known tongue for the edification of everybody that's hearing me pray and for my edification too. But it's a gift of prophecy that operates through me. But it's kind of, and everybody can be more or less given to it. Anybody could do it. More you practice uh, and yield to God in prayer, you can do it. But anyway, let him that speaketh the unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, he said, but my understanding is unfruitful. So he's talking about when you're praying in an unknown tongue, a language you do not know, you don't necessarily understand every syllable or word or phrase that you're saying. You just know that you got your tongue hooked up to your human spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells and he's given you utterance and you're praying about a situation or circumstance and we'll talk about that. But verse 15 goes on to say, what is it then, Paul said? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with what? With the understanding also, so you pray in the spirit in other tongues so you don't understand, but you'll pray with your understanding also. He also says, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. I was doing that this morning when I woke up. I was doing that. Sometimes that happens to me that way. I'll wake up with a spiritual song. Amen? Pray with understanding also. He said, in verse, it says, verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall that he occupieth the room of the unlearned, say, Amen, at thy giving of thanks, see he understandeth not what thou sayest. So we see here that we pray with the Spirit of God from our spirit, speaking in other tongues. We pray with our understanding, and then we pray with the gift of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 3, the Bible says this, But he that prophesieth does what? Speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when you're speaking in your known language in the spirit where you're prophesying, then you are speaking unto men for what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. So the three ways, and this every one of these is probably an hour message in and of themselves. But the, the three ways you'll always pray, 
You'll pray with your understanding. You will pray in other tongues. And you can pray through the gift of prophecy where you're praying in your known language, but you are in the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you're in the, not in the Spirit when you're praying with your understanding. You understand? But I'm just saying there's higher, different levels of this. Remember I talked about different levels of prayer? But there's different levels of praying. And many times, in fact, most of the time in public. Now, I do a lot of praying in other tongues in my private prayer life. And I do pray in other tongues amongst people. But uh, the majority of my praying, and many of you that's been in prayer meetings with us, uh, you'll know that a lot of my praying is through the gift of prophecy. As the Spirit of God gives me utterance, and it's through me stepping over into this place uh, that I begin to see and know things supernaturally. Sometimes even God gives to me visions and shows me things in the Spirit. For instance, uh, I was praying in an unknown tongue uh, down in Charlotte, North Carolina in January of... of, uh, 2001. And while we're praying, I'm kneeling down praying, I'm praying with some pastors there and some church folks. Uh, All of a sudden, I had a vision. And I saw airplanes running into buildings and these buildings collapsing uh, and people running everywhere and debris flying everywhere. And I thought, what is that? Uh, You ought to be ashamed of yourself. We're praying about revival. And here you are seeing these airplanes running into buildings. Uh, so I just got in, you know, got back in the flesh, you know, and then finally it took me about five minutes. I got back in the spirit. I had the same experience. And then I got back in the flesh, got out of it, got back in the spirit finally, and I had the experience. And the Lord said, Declare thou unto this people what you see and tell them to pray, to avoid and avert these things that shall come upon this nation. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to stage people to think I'm crazy. They'll think I'm out of my mind. I said, I can't say that. He said, Declare thou these things. And of course, I didn't understand everything uh, that I know today back then. I've learned a lot since then, and I don't know it all now. But anyway, I stopped and I said to that prayer group, I didn't know how to do it. You know, everybody's praying. I said, now hear this. And I didn't have a microphone on, so it wasn't mic'd, you know, or, or anything. And I said, or recorded. Now hear this. Now hear this. I said, uh, there's airplanes that are running into buildings. And I said, I see buildings collapsing. Somebody take it, these notes, uh, and write down what I'm seeing. Senator Bayhackle's daughter was there in the room. She grabbed a, 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 a tablet and she started writing down everything. And later, of course, uh, the prayer group all went back and discovered that we had heard from God and didn't even know it. Because nine months later, the planes run into the trade towers, run into the Pentagon, and then crashed, I believe, up there in Pennsylvania. God was showing us things to come. And what happened is, while I was praying in the Spirit, God revealed to me something, but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to have a vision. But everybody can pray. Isn't that right? And then, of course, right here in this church, we have had to... Uh, situation after situation arise where God would reveal to us thing, even show us that people were going to die. Showed us, you know, right here in this church, walking right up and down in here, what this platform went this way then. But remember, we had that experience about the Supreme Court. Remember, we was praying right here, and suddenly I think I was standing right over there, so you got to be standing right in that area. I would walk back and forth, and I, and I was walking, you know, and I was was over there and I turned and when I turned and I'm, I mean I'm here and then suddenly I'm standing in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Now I had had the privilege and, and graced a lot of courtrooms in my life but I'd never had the privilege of being in the Supreme Court in my life if you could call it a privilege but I was standing there and later on I had uh, Chris in my office that does all the tech work 
to get pictures and it was just like I described. It was just like I saw and in the Supreme Court to, and I'm talking about praying. We can pray on this level. You can graduate to different levels. So I'm not saying everybody's going to have a vision. It's just according to how God wants to use a person. But if we don't pray, we're not going to have experiences. But I, I was standing in the Supreme Court I looked out and there's nobody there, you know, in, in the chairs that I could see. I could see the doors and all the ornate woodwork and all that. And I was very relieved because I knew that I wasn't on trial because I wasn't sitting there by an attorney. My God, thank you, Jesus. And then my peripheral vision, side view, the, the bench where they sat on, the justices sit, was kind of to my left. And I'm standing like right here. Some movement caught my attention up there. And I turned and looked, expecting to see some of the judges or something. But when I turned to look, there wasn't a judge. There was a large demonic looking creature sitting in that chair. Now listen, I wasn't praying to see a demon creature. We were praying about revival, remember? And God poured out his spirit. We prayed right here for churches and pastors and ministers and move of God around the world. <clears throat> but suddenly I saw this thing and the spirit of God came on me and those of you that was here, in fact, it was recorded here on the church. I pointed to that thing and I said, I see you. I see how these ungodly laws get passed. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come down from there now in Jesus' name. And that thing began to shiver and shake and it jumped up on that bench and then it jumped down on the floor and it was about as far as from me to right there down that aisle from that thing was at. And it was laying there shivering and shaking in this floor, this demon-looking creature. What it looked like is not important, but what it was doing was very important. And I said, I command you to leave the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And that thing took off and started running down the aisle. And it was double doors, real ornate door, doors in the back, you know, this place. And I thought, I don't know why I'm so carnal. You would never even think about this. But while this thing's running down the aisle, I thought, was this thing going to have to open the door to get out of here? <laughs> why in the world do you think that kind of thought? But when it got to the door, there wasn't no open door. That thing just ran right through it. Just like it wasn't there. Because it's a spiritual experience. And then the Lord showed us and revealed to us that two people would be removed from the Supreme Court. Remember that? And it happened. In fact, the very next day, Sandra Day O'Connor retired from the Supreme Court. Y'all remember that? If you was here in this prayer meeting, you remember that we prayed that out. And then in, in uh, what was about six months or so, the man died. What was his name? Rehnquist. But the Lord showed us that would happen. said, why would that? Well, we're praying about things. Now, this is what I believe. I believe, you know, just because we made that devil leave one time don't mean that he won't try to come back. And I believe that's what we're dealing with now as principals and powers. But at the same time, Reverend Jermaine Copeland has taught us well. We don't want to go fight no devil. You know what I mean? Because the devil's defeated. What we want to do is we want to pray. We want to pray God's word because just praying God's word and praying with our understanding, praying in the spirit will drive back the powers of darkness. Amen? Amen. So let's take care five to ten minutes, and let's just do some praying. Isn't that right? Because we're at a prayer conference. You can sit, you can kneel, you can stand, you can do whatever you want to. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you right now for your holy written word. Lord, and thank you for the privilege and opportunity to come to you in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you teach us, that you train us, and that you show us what you would have us do. Father, we realize that there's a lot of things that's going on in our nation and the nations of the earth. Lord, we realize there's a lot of things going on in the church. Lord, into the church world as a whole, not only here in America, United States, but around the world. And there's a lot of things, Father, that you're trying to work into your plan and cause to come to pass and take place in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, Father, there are things that I certainly don't know how to pray for as I ought. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, The Spirit of the living God helps my inabilities in prayer or helps my infirmities in prayer, for I know not how to pray as I ought to pray. But Lord, we're here in this prayer conference and Lord, I'm going to just yield myself now to the Holy Ghost and Holy Ghost, help me pray about these things that you would have us pray about today. In any area, about any situation, Lord, I have no prior instruction from you, so I'm just gonna yield myself to you to pray out your will and your plan. And Father, we join together in the name of Jesus, yielding to the Holy Ghost, expecting you to give us utterance in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Soto gimente, shoto kariava seginde, koriava segundo, lo koriava shigemata, la costa gepeto lo koriava seginde, astadunga mandele kive, shede la koriava segundo lo qui, yandela kamania segoto, lo koriava segepatola, ha sukite, anstadunga katola, kaperia kastinge, telekuste. Bondolo cori avo shiginde, catalabusha, gedolo cori avo sege mekitia, rastago, mande in, delaco, revashiga mata lekia. Yondoloco, bariavo shago, mata lakaya. Astago macutolo combatile kive shigoto, pande ekite. Glotoloco, mata le combas, de game, becatolo, cariavo shigaltolo, cariavo sege mekitilekia. Costa gondolo cori avo shaga mastaga matiliki. La toloco matoleki ve shaga maka toloco preva shaga maka telekia. Anstagon matoloco mastagin getile kavasoguto. Banstagin getileko patilekia. Father, I see there's a stepping over. There's a stepping over into that realm. There's a stepping over into that place. There's a stepping over into that anointing for the church today. Hostadoka patilekia. And Lord, I can see. Lord, as you took Moses up, Lord, there on Mount Nebo, Lord, to the top of Pisgah, and Lord, you let him look over into the promised land. Lord, you said today that there is a promised land, a land, a spiritual land, just like there was a physical land. And he went up there on top of that land, Moses did, on top of that mountain, Lord, a mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, and he looked out, and you showed him all the regions round about, and you said to him, this is what I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, and to my people, I swore to give this land. And Lord, I see today in type and shadow that there is a spiritual land, a land in the spirit. Lord, that's compared to the book of Acts. Lord, we have seen it in a measure. Lord, we have seen your glory in a measure. We have seen your power in a measure. We have seen the gifts in a measure. We have seen the ministry offices in a measure. But Lord, I see just as Moses did when he was standing there on Mount Pisgah, I see over to this promised land. And Father, I see that there's a land in the spirit that the church is right upon possessing right now and moving into a place of your glory and power like we've never seen before. And I realize, Lord, that you have opened this door. Lord, I realize that this is that generation, but because the generation 
generation of Moses did not enter in. Lord, they could not go in. But Lord, there was a generation that came up behind that Moses generation called the Joshua generation. Lord, that generation under the anointing and leadership, Lord, of God himself, as they submitted to you, Lord, they marched up to the Jordan River. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, will be able to step off into the Jordan River by faith, Lord, and be baptized afresh and anew with the Holy Ghost and the power of God. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your power. Lord, you said in this day and you promised us, Lord, in your word that you would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Father, you promised it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we seek you for the final fulfillment of that promise. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that this promise in our day, Lord, that we call the great awakening that has been many times over in this nation. But Father, we're at that place again. We're at that Jordan River again. And Father, we know that this is the final frontier, Lord, that we have got to come down and we've got to walk through Jordan. We've got to come back to the Holy Ghost. We've got to come back to following him. And Father, I thank you for bringing us back into that place, bringing us back in these revelations. Lord, you said in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams. Your old men shall see visions. And Father, you said upon my servants and upon my handmaidens in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh, all flesh. Father, we hadn't come to the all part yet. Lord, it's the all part that we're praying about. It's the all part that we've been admonished about even in this meeting. And Father, we come down. Lord, even as Moses saw, Lord, as even as generations past have seen, Lord, this promised land, they prophesied about it. Lord, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied in 1948 that there would come a day that the word and the spirit of God would come together. Father, Reverend Seymour prophesied there at Azusa Street and he said about a hundred years from now there would be a move of God like the world has never seen or known. Father Reverend Parnum Lord he prophesied the same thing. Having not known that the others said it. Lord we're in that day. Lord and we desire this day. Lord forgive us of our disobedience. Lord forgive us of our backsliding. Forgive us of our doubt and unbelief. But Father we come again to you and our eyes are upon you. And we humble ourselves before you this day. Lord, we repent of any and everything that has kept us out. And Lord, I know we've been standing by Jordan's banks, so to speak spiritually, and some of us have put our toes in the water. Some of us have went out ankle deep. Some of us have went out even waist deep. But Father, I know that there's a full baptism, a full baptism in this spiritual Jordan for this day, for this hour, for this season that we're in, that we're be so baptized and full of the Holy Ghost that we won't want anything else but you. And then, Father, I see, Lord, as they walked on in, Lord, past that Jordan River, Lord, I realize that there's some battles that's going to be fought as we move forward. Lord, and these battles are already against us in the realm of the Spirit. Lord, we have governmental opposition, not only in our nation, but their nations right now, Father, that people are in prison for the sake of the gospel. 
people are being beheaded probably today because they won't deny the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, give us the faith to die for your word. Give us the faith to live for your word. Give us the faith to go forward regardless of the opposition that we face. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ because you said that we can be strong in you and in the power of your might. And I thank you, Lord, for that power and might of God to come upon us in that day. And Father, I realize, Lord, as we walked on through Jordan and we walk on out there, there's a place called Jericho. Lord, and there's a Jericho. Lord, and we have been facing some of these Jerichos. Lord, they've been great walled cities. Lord, there have been great things and destruction and devastation. Lord, and opposition against the church and against the word of God and against the Holy Ghost. But Father, I thank you even as you gave instructions in your day to Joshua and the people of God in his day. Father, I thank you that in our day, you have given us instruction, Lord, in this prayer conference, and you've shown us what to do. Father, you've told us what to do. And Father, we march up to that Jericho in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And by faith, we speak to those walls and we command them to come down. And Father, we thank you that even as they went on further into that the place of Israel. Father, they eventually put up the tabernacle over there. Joshua first set it up. Lord, I had the privilege of going to that place where that tabernacle was and was first established. And Father, I know that you want a tabernacle among your people on this earth. You want us to have heaven on earth and that's where you're taking us to. And there's no devil, there's no demon, there's no opposition of man or government that's gonna stop your plan in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we will move forward in your grace. We will take our place. We will run our race in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a special anointing to come upon every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray for a special equipping to come upon them. And Father, I thank you that they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for the outpouring of the Spirit of God in every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every race of people on this planet. We thank you, Father, that your will, that your plan and your purposes are taking place and nothing can hinder it and nothing can stop it. In Jesus' name, we declare it to be so. Let's raise our hands and thank him that he's heard us. Father, we thank you that you've heard us, that you've answered, and things have been set in motion in the name of Jesus Christ for your will, for your plan, and your purposes to take place and come to pass. Woo-hoo. You can be anointed to pray. I said you can be anointed to pray. See, that's, that's what happened. That's a demonstration of the gift of prophecy. I started off in the spirit and then stepped over and then suddenly I saw, uh, in the spirit, I saw Mount Nebo. I saw Pisgah. And I saw, it's a spiritual, you know, it has a spiritual interpretation. I saw Moses looking over into there and I saw how it applied to us today. But not everybody's gonna have the same experience, but everybody can have some experience. Yes. We affected things in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. Reverend Jermaine, you got something you want to preach to us? <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> she was looking at her Bible mighty strong. <laughs> oh, well, hallelujah. I, I was uh, looking at, I was 
scripture. I don't even know where it is. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look for it again. And I just, it's some scripture. I, I just need the Lord to show me how it applies to today, okay? So I'm not ready to, I, hadn't, I, don't, I don't have that yet. But, uh, but if you'll take the scripture and pray, you may not understand it when you're praying, but the Holy Spirit will bring understanding to you on how to apply that word to your situation. That's what set me free. Hallelujah. 